Hey everybody, it's Pastor Isaac, lead pastor of Shore Christian Church, and I'm so excited that you are checking out this sermon. I pray that it blesses you. It is from our latest series, I Am, and this series focuses on the seven I Am statements of Jesus in the book of John. And we pray that this blesses you. If it does, we want to ask you to do two things. Uh, one, subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you can get more encouraging and empowering sermons like this every single week. And also, uh, if you want to help us get these sermons out to more people and uh, get the gospel out to, uh, to people that need it the most, uh, we encourage you to make a donation on the below link and it would be greatly appreciated. And we just pray that God blesses you through this sermon. Check it out. All right, go with me now in your, uh, in your Bibles. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screen. Uh, we are in part four of our I Am series that is going to lead us right up to, to Easter. Man, if you weren't here last week, last week may have been the most impactful sermon ever spoken at Shore Christian Church. I say that boldly. Um, and if you weren't here, please listen to that message. Uh, I believe it, it will really uh, empower you and help you understand what Christ did for us on the cross. And, and we're going to continue that this morning. Um, so we're going to go to the book of Ezekiel chapter 34. And this chapter, this, this prophet Ezekiel, uh, he was a prophet about 500 years before Jesus was even born. And he came to Israel. He was a prophet, which is a mouthpiece of God, uh, to speak to a nation that was in shambles. The nation of Israel was in exile. They were living in Babylonian captivity. They were in turmoil. Their life was in complete destruction. They were scattered everywhere. They had no sense of identity. They had no sense of, of a hope or a future. They had no idea what God was doing in their life. And then this is the word that Ezekiel speaks in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 2. I'll start here. It says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. This is what God's speaking through Ezekiel. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourself. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat your food and you clothe yourselves with wool and you slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. This is what we are all called to do. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they now are scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every hill, and they were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. So this is the scene that Jesus steps into. He steps into a place, a world, where everyone is scattered. There are sheep that are just scattered all in the wilderness, and the shepherds that were supposed to take care of the flock, the shepherds, are, uh, that's where we get the word pastor from. Uh, the, these shepherds in the Bible, we see them, they're called Pharisees. And these Pharisees were looking out for themselves and not taking care of the sheep, of the fold, of the flock that God has given them. And you see it last week as we looked at this blind man who was miraculously healed by Jesus. And this blind man, his eyes were opened by Jesus. And then uh, he went into the, the synagogue, went into the church, and they accused him of being a sinner. And this was part of their flock. And they threw him out the door. And then when they threw him out the door, there was Jesus to meet him outside 
the temple and Jesus saying with compassion that I am the door. Enter through me. I am your access point. And then he looks at these Pharisees and, and this is what he, he speaks to them in this moment. This is the chapter right after what we talked about last week. He says, verse 2, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And then I'm going to skip down to verse 8. And all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. For I am the door, I am the gate, and whoever enters through me, they will be saved. And then he says in verse 10, And this thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. For I am the good shepherd, there it is. I am the shepherd that you've been looking for. The good shepherd. How do you know that he's a good shepherd? Because he lays down his life for the sheep. I want to talk to you this morning on the topic of sheltered by the shepherd. Let's pray. Bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the worship this morning, Lord God, for leading us into your presence, Father God, that you are on your throne, Lord God, that you are ruling and reigning in our life, Lord God, that we are sheltered by the shepherd, whether we realize it or not, Lord God, that you are with us in dark places, you are with us on the mountaintop, Father God, and you will never leave us nor forsake us. In Jesus' name, we thank you for that. And everybody says? So... This week we had a, a big occasion. Um, we celebrated my, my daughter Lily's birthday. She turned six. Uh, not this week though, not this week. So you, you don't have to wish her happy birthday. Her birthday is actually not until April 22nd. Uh, but because of the baby and because of Easter and because of all the stuff that we have going on, we decided to do it a month earlier. So we uh, uh, took her to this place called uh, uh, Pump It Up. Anyone ever been there? Pump It Up with the kids. Um, and, 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 you know, a birthday party can be a lot of very stressful for parents. Uh, any pet parents, can you relate to that? I mean, it's stressful. There's so many things you have to remember. There's so many things you have to do. And, and you're under a lot of pressure with the children because if you do not give your children good birthdays, they will be scarred for life. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's that. But seriously, I remember my ninth birthday, mom. It was not good. <laughs> and, and I remember we're, we're all this pressure. We're getting everything in the minivan and we, we got we had to take three kids with us. I'm sorry, four kids with us in the minivan. They're amazing how many kids you can fit in a minivan. It is crazy. Uh, we got the cake in there. We got the balloons. We got everything. Uh, make it over to, to pump it up over at pump it up. Uh, it, it's just like Controlled chaos. You got like 45 kids in one room bouncing off the walls. There was only, there was probably two concussions, one black eye and a bloody nose, but that was fine. They all signed the waivers and there was no issues whatsoever. And, and so after about an hour of, of partying, bouncing, jumping, balloons coming down, a lot of fun, uh, a lot of tension. There was some anxiety in some of the parents, but, but afterwards, the, the best part is the food, the food. They had pizza for everybody, uh, pictures, and then they had this, this game. It was so funny. They played this game called uh, Free freeze dance. You ever heard of freeze dance? Where you play a song and then when they stop the song you have to freeze. You remember this Lisa? And so they asked Lily, I love that they asked Lily, Lily what song do you want us to play? And, and Lily, this is what she said, what a beautiful name. And, 
And we were like, Lily, no, like a different song. You know, that's not, it's not that kind of party, right? And though she's like, no, we're singing What a Beautiful Name. It's my party. And if I want to sing What a Beautiful Name, then that's what we're going to play. So we're sitting there, 45 kids, and all of a sudden, what a beautiful name it is. And the kids are like, I don't know what I'm doing, uh, you know, <laughs> freeze, you know. And, <laughs> and I'm like, my God, I'm raising literally an angel. This is incredible. And, and so I, the kids, it was probably the only time some of these parents ever heard like a Jesus song before. Um, so I'm like, yeah, we're Jesus freaks. Sorry, that's, you know, <laughs> what can you say? And, and so uh, it was a great party. And, and then uh, we, we're pr- riding home. Kids are asleep. Thank God. That is the best part about pumping up it just wears them kids down and so we're on our way home kids are asleep in the back and then we pull up to to our house to the horror of our front door being wide open and and we were freaked out we were freaked out we didn't know if if if, if it was us i mean what, what we we don't do this we, we lock our doors like we, we because we have precious things inside the house and and you just never know and and, and so we we pull up and, and we were a little panicked and and then I, I got my louisville slugger went through the house you know like like secret service like you see here and you know clear and, you know and and then finally we went through and realized it was probably our own ignorance that that did that and and, and it was scary. I don't know if anyone's ever, ever done that before. And, and I, know I, I said that because I, I want you to know spiritually that there is a thief coming. And a thief only comes to a place where there is valuables. And the reason that there is a thief coming to your home, to your to your family, to your marriage, is because what you have inside of you is so valuable, it is so rare, it is so precious, and because of that, there is a thief coming to steal, kill, and destroy every aspect of your life. And what what I realize is, is when I know, if I knew a thief was coming to my house, John, I'm locking that sucker up. I'm not sleeping in. I'm not taking it easy. I, I, I'm not, I got better things to do than stay bitter at people and argue all the time because I got a thief coming to my house. So I got to lock some things down and I got to be aware that, you know what, what God has put inside of me is precious and I can't live like everybody else because I know that there is a thief coming to my house to try and steal, kill, and destroy. So that's why I pray for my kids. And that's why I put on what a beautiful name in the car with my kids. And that's why I bring my family to church and that's why I pray for them before bed because I know that there is a thief coming for my children and my family and my calling and I can't live like everybody else there's a thief coming and in this story there's there's a a a thief there's a good shepherd and then what what are we in this story I wish that was encouraging we are the sheep and sheep are the most I need that for an illustration later on in the sermon they they are not smart animals they're unintelligent animals and I, I wonder why God would put sheep in a world full of wolves you ever ask God that God why do you put me in a world full of wolves if you were a good God why would you put me in a world full of wolves 
I, I mean, everywhere I go, I feel like I'm under attack. Everywhere I go, I go to work. I feel the wolves coming at me at work. I feel them at home. Everywhere I go, I feel like I'm not capable to stand up to all of the wolves that are trying to attack me day and night. Everywhere I go, people gossiping about me, people judging me, people coming against me. I'm in a world full of wolves, and a lot of times I feel ill-equipped to handle the pressures that are facing me on a week-to-week -week basis. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I appreciate you for asking me that, and this is the reason why God puts us in a world full of wolves, is that there are wolves, but I have come to give you life, and life more abundantly, that we're not in this on our own. So we, we may be a sheep in a world full of wolves, but we have a good shepherd. We have one who has come with a rod and a staff to be able to shelter us from the wolves, from the darkness. He doesn't pull us out of it, but he meets us in it. That's my God. And he says, I am the good shepherd. And when the good shepherd came on the scene, he came on the scene in a world full of, of wolves. And we see in Ezekiel that there were all these pastors, all these Pharisees that were supposed to be taking care of the wolves, I'm sorry, the sheep, but they weren't. And so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. They were scattered and they became food for all the wild animals. If there's no shepherd, then you have no chance. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every hill. They scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. One of the worst things, even worse than being lost, is being abandoned. I mean, when, when you're lost, at least you have hope of being found. But when you realize that nobody's coming to look for you, that's when you realize that you're not just lost, but you're abandoned. And that is one of the darkest places that anyone could be in. Someone I, I, I know I've had the pleasure to spend some time with uh, at the Los Angeles Dream Center. It's a, a man by the name of Bill Wilson. And Bill Wilson told me this, this story of when he was 15 years old, he was raised without a father. Uh, his mother was in the prostitution business in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And when he was 15 years old, his mother packed all of his belongings in a suitcase, put him at the Fort Lauderdale train station, and said, I'll be right back. And his mother left him and he waited one day, waited two days, waited three days. And then on the third day, he finally realized that she's never coming back. Imagine the, the pain and the horror of, of not just being lost, because I think a lot of us can relate to being lost. I think a lot of us are lost even at this 930 worship service. But I want you to know that you, you may be lost, but you will never be abandoned that there is always a shepherd that will come search for you, that you may feel like you've been left and you may feel like you have been forsaken, like these people were in the book of Ezekiel. But the good shepherd comes on the scene and he wants us to know that we will never be abandoned. And yet so many of us feel abandoned. So many of us feel like, like we have somehow disqualified ourselves from real genuine love and, and nobody cares about us. And I, I think what happens from that is, is two things. One is we, we grow up never wanting help from anybody. I'll prove it. No one ever helped me in the beginning. I don't want any help now. Or 
we do the other thing and, and think everyone has to help us because of what has happened to us and, and, and I, I deserve it and, and you, you expect everyone to do everything for you, but that is not the life that God has called us to live. And the book of Ezekiel prophesies of this day to come uh, after Ezekiel talks about all the, the sheep being scattered and how that there have been uh, food for all these wild animals and there's no shepherd. It says in verse 15, this is awesome, it says, but I myself will tend my sheep, says the Lord. And I will have them lie down, and I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. And I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, and, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd my flock with justice. God is saying through Ezekiel that, that I am going to send myself to shepherd those sheep. That, that I realize that, that these, these Pharisees, these religious rulers, they're not doing a good job, but I'm going to send myself. I'm going to come down in the form of a man, and I am going to be the good shepherd that never abandons the sheep, the good shepherd that leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And he does that as Jesus comes down in John chapter 10 and declares this. The good shepherd does three things I'm going to talk about really quickly. Number one, the good shepherd speaks. Good shepherd speaks to his sheep. Listen to this. John chapter 10, verse 2. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Do you know the shepherd's voice? You ever hear God? Anybody ever have voices inside their head? I do. I have voices in my head all the time. I think I'm actually going to do a sermon in August called The Voices Inside My Head. <laughs> because, I, I, I mean, we, we have voices, I, I, I believe, that, that just are trying to infiltrate our head all the time. And it is so hard to hear the voice of the shepherd in this society, this world we live in. I mean, because we are, Carol, addicted to noise, aren't we? I mean, we can't, I got, you can't just have peace. You got to have noise. Got to have sound. You got to have a television. You got to have music. You got to have arguments. You got to have bickering. You got to have this. You got to have that. And sometimes because of our addiction to noise, because everyone's trying to get in our head. Everyone wants our attention. And there's three voices, I believe, that are trying to get our attention. One of the voices is uh, the hired hand the Bible talks about. In John chapter 10, verse 12, it says, I am the good shepherd, but then there's this other guy, the hired hand, that is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. And when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And the wolf attacks because he is a hired hand. So many people put their trust in the hired hand. The hired hand, the hired hand. The hired hand is the people that are only with you for what they could get out of you. They're only with you for the money that they could get out of you, the sex that they could get out of you, the affirmation that they could get out of you, all, all, all the things that they could get, the votes that they could get out of you, all, all those things that they can get out of you. But then when the wolf comes, when trouble comes, all of a sudden they're out because they have no vested interest in your life. They don't care about you, and yet you care so much about what they say about you. You get so offended when the hired hand doesn't give you attention. They don't care about you. Why do you care what they say about you? 
I, I heard someone say once, we spend all our money trying to buy things to impress people that we don't like, impress people that, that we probably never will even be friends with, but yet we, we try and impress them because it's the hired hand. And then there's this other voice, the voice of the thief. The thief in this scripture represents the accuser of the brother, represents the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How can you hear the voice of the good shepherd? How can you tell that it's the voice of the good shepherd? I'll tell you the way that you could tell it's the voice of the good shepherd. Because that voice will never contradict what God's word says. So you know that it is the voice of the good shepherd when it confirms what the word has already spoken about you. So for an example, Rick, if, if you went through a, um, a relationship that went south and it didn't turn out very well and they wronged you and they hurt you, they betrayed you, and you hear that voice that says, get revenge. That's how, it, that's how it sounds in my head, like that. Get them back, Rick. Make them pay. Is that the voice of the good shepherd? Or is that the voice of the thief? That's the voice of the thief that, said, that says, get them back. Make them pay for what they did to you. But the good shepherd comes and he says, no. Forgive them in the way that I have forgiven you. You hear that, that voice and you've got maybe a, a self-image problem saying you're disgusting, you're, you're, you're ugly, you're, you're never going to measure up to that person or that person that, that you don't even have a job right now. You should be ashamed being unemployed the way that you are. You should be so ashamed with where your life has turned out at this age. And, and you, you, you think that's the good shepherd saying that to you? That's the, that's the accuser saying that to you, to try and get you to stay in bed and stay depressed and staying angry all the time. But God comes and says, you're beautiful. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. My hand is on you. I have not abandoned you. I am right there by your side. I will strengthen you when you feel weak. That's the voice of the shepherd. Somebody uh, just recently uh, came to me and somebody who, who battles a uh, Battles and, and addiction. And look, we all have our issues. And some of us are on the outside. Some of us are on the inside. And they came to me and they, they had been sober for, I think it was maybe six or seven months. And unfortunately, addiction got the best of them in this one week moment. Fell off the wagon. And all of a sudden, I didn't see him for a couple weeks in church. You don't think I could see you. I know who's here on Sundays. And, and I didn't see him for a couple weeks, and, and I reached out to him and, and said, hey, hey, come on over. And, and finally, we were able to meet up for, for a meal. And I said, what's going on? And he started to tell me what happened and started to tell me how, how hard he fell. And, and then I said, well, what, why haven't you been around? And he, he, he looked at me. This is what he said, but he used a different word. He said, I'm a piece of crap. What? It's like, yeah, that's, that, that's right. That's, that's, all I, that's all I hear. That's all I hear. I know that all the people that I've let down, all the time that I've wasted, I'm just a piece of garbage. And I thought, that, that's the thief. That's the accuser. God would never, ever speak that way to you. God would never bring condemnation on you. 
Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He has made you a new creation and you may slip and you may fall, but God will never call you by your sin. This is how you know that it is the enemy. This is how you know that it's the thief. The thief knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. You're, you're an addict. You're, you're a pervert. You're, 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 you're a failure. You're always going to be dysfunctional. Nobody ever wants, that's what the thief will say to you. But, but Jesus, but the good shepherd knows your sin, but calls you by your name. That's Bruce. That's, that's Michelle. That's Megan. That's Frank. That's Isaac. That's Peter. He knows your sin, and yet he still goes after you when you are scattered, and you have fallen, and you feel like you can never go home, and he goes after the one and leaves the 99. He's a good shepherd. Know his voice. Read his word, I'm telling you, this thing will change you. This thing will set you free. This thing, when, when you're going through the darkest moment of your life, it has a way of just speaking into your situation. Coming into church, I promise you, you come into this church, you are never going to leave feeling condemned. You are never going to leave feeling worse than when you came. You are always going to feel the love of Jesus in your life. Don't fall off and fall away, but come into the fold. Know the shepherd's voice, number, number two. The good shepherd shears. Shears. Because sheep, this is crazy, sheep, they, they don't shed. Did you know that? You did? I didn't know that, Mom. I'm not a sheepologist like you. I, I, I had to look it up. And, <laughs> and this is what I found. It's the official statement from the American Society of Animal Science Board of Directors. That seems official, so I'm going to believe what they say. It says, unlike other animals, mo most sheep are unable to shed. If a sheep goes too long without being shorn, yes, passed for shed, a number of problems can occur. Number one, excess wool impedes the ability of the sheep to regulate their body temperatures and can cause the sheep to become overheated and die. Urine, feces, and other materials become trapped in the wool, attracting flies, maggots, and other pests. This causes irritation, you think, infections, and endangers the health of the animal. Sheep with large amounts of wool being become immobilized by physical obstacles in their path and are more susceptible to predator attacks. Yeah, wow. Because if you don't have a shepherd, that's you, bro. <laughs> and, and, and you wonder why you attract so many flies. You wonder why you get stuck in weird places that you can't get out of, that, that most people can slide right through, but you get stuck in bitterness, and you get stuck in all these places that you shouldn't be. It's because you have no shepherd to cut off all that old crap in your life, all that stuff that's sticking to you, the, all the flies that are attracting to you. You need, this is what, this is what I, I, I found, you, you, need, you need a buzz cut. Say, I need a buzz cut. You need an extreme makeover. Anybody know anybody that needs an extreme makeover? Did you know that, that Jesus is, is the greatest master surgeon, makeup artist, makeover person that you could ever experience a relationship with? That if you need a change, if you need a new look, if you're tired of being all, all, like, like 
homeboy over there, then you know what? You need to find the good shepherd. If I'm going to get a makeover, which I, I, I don't think I've ever done, I do go to this place called Swagger and Blade, and they have these pictures of all these different looks that you have. And, and if, if you want to go to a, uh, someone to give you a haircut, you want to see the kind of work that they've done, right, Luz? I, I want to see the kind of makeovers that you've done. Let me tell you about the makeovers that Jesus has done. I don't know about you, but I, I've been made over by the Good Shepherd. I, I know that if I look in that manual, I can see people like, like the woman at the well, been married five times, living with another man, and she had an encounter with the Good Shepherd, and she left that encounter completely changed and shaved of all the old residue from her past. I, you can look at Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. You read about her in Judges chapter something. And Rahab had, had, had a whole family lineage of sexual immorality in her life, but then finally she found a relationship with a good shepherd, with an almighty God, and God completely transformed Rahab into a new creation, and he's no respecter of people. He'll do the same thing for you, because you've been wearing the same outfit for too long. You ever meet anybody been wearing the same jeans for 15 years? You need a new look. Say, you need a new look. Some of you, you need a new look. Every morning, you, you, you wake up, and you're like, what am I going to wear today? I'll just wear my hurt. So I've been so hurt by people. I've been so hurt by, by life, and I've just been hurt. I'm just going to put my hurt on today. It's all I got. I'm going to put my past on today, and I, I've been a victim my whole life, and it's always other people's fault. I'm just going to put my past on, and, and I, 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 I so regret what I did, and, and then I'll put more guilt on that, and, and I, I think I look good in guilt. Maybe I'll put some guilt. Maybe I'll get some people to feel sorry for me, so I'll put my guilt on today. I don't go anywhere without my guilt, or maybe I'll put my fear on today. A lot of people do that. Every day they put their fear on. I, I, I'm just so afraid of the future. I'm just so afraid of what other people think of me. I'm just so afraid of failing. I'm just so afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And you put your fear on every single day. But the good shepherd has come to shear you and shave you down and say, take that guilt off. I set you free. I made you, a, I have not given you a spirit of fear, Wayne, but of power and love and a sound mind. That's not of me. You need to take off them old clothes and put on some new garments. This is what, I, I love this scripture. This is what uh, Zachariah says. Joshua was dressed in filthy wool clothes, but he stood before an angel, get before the good shepherd said to him, take off those filthy clothes and see how I have shaved your sin away and I'm going to put fine garments on you. He says, take off that, that guilt, that shame, that, that hurt. And you know what you need? Bruce, you'd look great in some joy this morning. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. He's going to clean out my closet and give me a whole new wardrobe. You know what you'd look great in, Catherine? Some praise. He'll give you a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. That when I start to praise God, there's something about praising God that just takes this filthy crap off of my back. And I can be set free when I get in a place of praise. And you know what I found? I found sometimes I got to go in for a shape up on my hair. Sometimes every couple weeks I got to go in and get this mop taken care of because it grows back, doesn't it? That's why the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning.
that every morning I could wake up and get a shape up. Because you know what? Yesterday I picked up some sin and I picked up some residue, but this morning I got new mercies waiting for me when I open up my eyes because he's a God of new beginnings and new mercies every day. But then this is the number one thing that I have to put on. Go to the book of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14. Go to verse 14. Just go right to it. Oh, I love this. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dressed in a wardrobe, God picked out for you. What is that? Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master has forgiven you. And regardless, oh, I love this. Oh, my gosh, I, I just love this. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never leave home without it. That's what I'm talking about. Everywhere I go, I'm going to put on love. Put on love in the car. Put on love at work. Put on love when I get into church. Put on love when other people wrong me. If they wrong Jesus, they sure going to wrong me. But I'm going to put on love. Do I hear an amen? Do you feel like you got a makeover this morning? That, that God is shaving off all that old residue, fear, guilt, your past. And he's giving you a new, new wardrobe. Finally, number three. Number three. Number one is the good shepherd. Speaks. You got to hear his voice. You got to know his voice. You got to block out all the noise and get in a quiet place and hear the voice of God. The good shepherd shears. He knows how to cut off all the, the old wool and all the old residue that gets us stuck, that attracts all those flies and maggots that represents who we used to be. And he gives us a new look, gives us a fresh new look of joy and praise and peace. And then number three, and finally, the good shepherd shelters. Good shepherd shelters. When Jesus was talking to the Pharisees in, in this time when there was a shepherd, they didn't have like normal sheep pens, but the shepherd were, they were out in, 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 the, in the fields. And what they would do, put a, a picture, this is, this is a picture of what a sheep pen would look like. And it's, it's out in the wilderness and the shepherd would lead the sheep into the sheep pen. And Notice the opening. Notice that opening. That's, that's where the gate would be. But there's no hinges on that door. There's no wood. There's, there's no knobs. But it's just an opening. It's the weak place. It's the vulnerable place. And it's the place where Jesus said in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And what the shepherd would do is in that weak place right there, in that crack, after the sheep were, were safe in there, the shepherd would get in that space right there. He'd get his blanket. Got his sheep with him. You wish you could go home with this sheep. This thing is soft and cuddly. And he's in that weak place. I want you to know God knows how 
to lay in your weak places. That it's in the weak place that he fills in the cracks. And the shepherd would lay down in that place at night, symbolizing, if you want the sheep, you have to go through me. That if you want Rick or you want Rhonda, you have to go through me. Over my dead body, someone might say. And in fact, as we're going to continue in this I Am series, we're going to find out that it was over his dead body. But that's why we know that he is a good shepherd. I would want to follow that kind of shepherd. I would want to follow a man. I would want to follow a woman that would lay down their life for me. Why are you following so many people? They have no vested interest in you. And you listen to what they say like it's the gospel. And yet you have this good shepherd who gave his life for you, died for you, was tortured for you. And you don't even care what he has to say about you. Shame on you. Shame on me. He's a good shepherd. And I could trust him. Especially when I'm going through dark times. Because notice, he doesn't take the sheep out of the wilderness. But he builds the shelter in the midst of the wilderness. I want to close and the worship team, you guys could come up with, with reading this, this psalm that I believe speaks to the good shepherd, that I am sheltered by the shepherd. Psalm 91 says this, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. In my good shepherd I will trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare. Doesn't say that there won't be attacks. But no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against me shall be condemned. Doesn't say that there won't be weapons that come against me. But doesn't say that there won't be tongues that come against me. But he says that he'll be a shelter for me. Surely he will save you. And he'll cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. This is the good shepherd. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right, but none will come near you. If you say the Lord is my refuge, if you say, if you say, you have to believe it. You have to declare it. That he is my refuge. And you make the most high your dwelling. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels to have charge over you. And they will lift you up in their hands. So that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me. Say he loves me says the Lord, and I will rescue you. I will protect you. For he acknowledges my name. He knows my name. Knows the hairs on my head. He will call on me and I will answer. And I will be with him in trouble. And I will deliver him. And I will honor my God. 
That's Psalm 91. That man I was telling you about earlier in the sermon, Bill Wilson. On the fourth day, there was a Sunday school teacher from an Assemblies of God church that walked by him the first day and saw him out there and finally says, I, I, I got to find, I got I to gotta take you to find your parents. And he took him to the police station and they couldn't find any relatives anywhere. And so his family made a commitment to adopt Bill, 15 years old. And they sent him to this youth camp. I know this guy, that's why. To this church in Phoenix, Arizona that was pastored by Tommy Barnett. And he finally at that church saw that he wasn't abandoned. And finally he realized that he had a good shepherd but it didn't stop there. He went to Tommy Barnett and said, Pastor Barnett, I have a great idea. There are so many homeless people in Phoenix. I bet if you could give me one bus, I'd fill it up with people who have been abandoned and we could bring them to the church and get them saved. And Tommy looked at him and he, he looked, the way he describes it, he was so skinny, he, he looked like a zipper and when he stung his tongue out, like that, that's how skinny he was. And, and he was stringy, he, he was in, in the eyes of, of the world, not, not an attractive person. But God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And Tommy said, all right, I'll give you one bus. I kid you not, he took that one bus because he had passion for this. Filled that whole bus up. Tommy gave him five buses, gave him 20 buses. Ended up at, at a point in, in time at Phoenix that he was filling up 50 buses every single Sunday took that ministry to Brooklyn, New York, started it. It's called Metro Kids. Every single Sunday, he buses in over 25,000 kids to come hear the gospel in Brooklyn, New York. Was 15 years old. Don't tell me we don't have a good shepherd. Don't tell me that we don't have a God that can redeem all the broken pieces of your life. He sits in the cracks and he says, there's value in you. You are precious in the eyes of your Savior. If you will just trust me and shut out all those voices of the accuser of other people that are trying to use and abuse you and listen to the voice of the shepherd and let him lead you and let him shave you and let him shelter you. He could use you in a mighty way that 40 years from now we could be telling stories on a pulpit of the redeemed life that God did with you. Don't you want to leave a legacy? Not of gossip, not of slander, not of unforgiveness, but of love. If that's you, if this message touched you, I just want you to stand your feet. If this message didn't touch you, you just sit down. We got a bus coming for you later. <laughs> and then let's just bow our heads right now. Thank you, Jesus.
I know the Holy Spirit was speaking to somebody this morning that has felt abandoned. It's not like you just feel lost, but you feel abandoned at this point. Like no one's even coming after you. I want you to know that there is a good shepherd who leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Doesn't make any sense in our rational minds. I want you to know that you are covered under his wings. I want you to know that even in moments that you thought you were forsaken, God has protected you from things and attacks that you never even saw coming. God, from this morning, I pray that we will hear your voice, Lord God. That we will shut out all the voices of the accuser, all the voices of other people that have no interest in us. That we will listen to that voice, Lord God. I, I pray, Father, that this church will never be a church that, that scatters or leaves the sheep. But we will be like Bill Wilson. Say, give me a bus. Maybe, maybe you got a car. Use what you have. God doesn't care about what you don't have. He says, what are you using that I have already given you? To go out in the dark streets in the wilderness and be God's vessel to find the lost sheep and bring them into the kingdom of God. Bring them into the house of God. One by one if we have to. Give us the strength to do that. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap.